This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between. This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network, this is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast. And welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. My name is Jordan Groves, and I am joined once again by my co-host, Mr. Greg Meisner. Hello, Greg. Hey, how's it going? Not too bad. How's it going? It's okay. Feeling it, the effects of some... some I, I drank too much wine this weekend. I'm a little... A <laughs> little bit uh, under the weather, as I would say. Excellent. Well, at least you're not <laughs> how you described you were yesterday, because otherwise that would be not great listening on a podcast. No, no. no, no, no. <laughs> let's just let's just say I spent about ten hours in the bathroom floor yesterday. <laughs> My abs hurt. I'm really glad you really pronounced that B there, because spending ten hours on a bathroom floor with your ass hangs. If I'm also joined by anyway. <laughs> Mr. JD Daniel. Hello, JD. Hey, George. Oh, we're getting off to a strong start. This is the oh, best man. intro we've ever had. I don't know what you're talking about. There was one that we literally started laughing. I don't remember why. Oh, God. It's, I don't yeah, know. it's been a week. Um, it has been about a week since the last episode. It has. It tends yeah. to be as well. It, yeah, we're consistent exactly. with that. Almost exactly, like to the moment. Um, lots to discuss this time. Um, let's start with uh, the least. Um, a race that, well, a series that every week makes me want to turn to drinking. Um, Formula One. <laughs> uh, Belgian Grand Prix. Uh, never have I been happier for a summer break to begin, but nevertheless. Um, sprint race weekend. We, we, we've spoken about sprint race weekends in the past. Um, I would, was this a good sprint race weekend? Was it, was this, the, or was it just the rain? Like, the sprint. Okay. So the qualifying hands down. Great show. Qualifying was great. Qualifying yeah. was a great show. Uh, all kinds of drama happening right up until the end. Uh, fucking fantastic job from Oscar Piastri. And then the sprint race. Uh, again, pretty good. I'll give it a 7 out of 10. The Grand Prix on Sunday? Uh, snooze fest. I didn't even watch it. Two hours. <laughs> I, I yeah. had the misfortune of waking up for it, and then it just kept longing me to sleep. So, yeah. <laughs> Formula yeah, 1, I'm, a I'm, great cure for insomnia. I'm I'm actually pretty glad. I, I think I think I would have rather have been hungover like I was all day Sunday than watch <laughs> that shitty Grand Prix. 
So um, the the only bit of we we entered the weekend with a slight carrot of potential drama when it was announced that Verstappen had a penalty, albeit only five places for a new gearbox. Uh, immediately, everyone kind of knew that meant that he'd be starting sixth because, of course, he was going to get pole. Um, then, then we had so I I, tr- I tried to do this in chronological order, but Formula One's new format shit. We've spoken about it before. So you had Grand Prix qualifying on Friday for Sunday's race. Verstappen dominated qualifying in somewhat wet conditions, but drying to get pole position with Charles Leclerc being second and therefore starting on pole for the race on Sunday. Um, and he, he got again, it by like eight tenths. He got it by eight the, tenths, and, which was even more annoying considering in Q2 he was nearly eliminated. Nearly but, eliminated. And everyone else was super, super close. Mm-hmm. And he was going green in the first two sectors. And you're like, all right, if, even if he makes it purple in the last sector, it's going to be pretty close. Nah. He just utterly dominated that last part of the lap. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, it's going to be one, maybe two tenths. Eight tenths, almost Eight a tenths. full second, just in the the last sector. Yeah, just disgusting. Um, yeah, Leclerc got second again. If you if you remove Verstappen, it was really close, as you say. You had Leclerc, Perez, Hamilton, Sainz, Piastri, Norris, all separated by three tenths of a second. <laughs> yeah, um, and then like you had Russell and Alonso not too far behind as well it was just uh, so again you had the you know the, the the grid penalty the fact that he nearly got elim- if he'd been eliminated in q2 the whole weekend could have been just a little bit more exciting yeah he probably I still was... would have won given his pace if he'd kept clean of but, course of course right? but i mean there was a, a lot of shit that happened you know just give someone else a chance I, f- I think that there should be a new rule in Formula One where if you're X amount of points ahead of the champ in the championship, you should not be allowed to qualify. <laughs> or they or they add weight to your car or something. Success ballast. Oh, yeah. we can't yeah. possibly have a balance of performance or success ballast in any way because then you're penalizing perfection. But I, I just <laughs> no, they don't want it to be competitive. Are you crazy? Yeah, no, that's the last no. thing. I mean, do. look, look, I, I get it. It's Formula One. It's it's more engineer versus it's Adrian Newey versus mm. the world more than it is driver versus driver. Right. I mean, I mean, to a point. And so I can I can understand it is the way it is. But at a certain point, you got to you got to do something. Yeah. And it's not and it's not so much like, you know, go oh, give somebody else a, a chance to win the race. It's, uh, you know, for for entertainment value because it's mm. a. It, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a game. Sport has to be entertaining, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be something we want to mm. watch. And as we keep saying, week in and week out, it's it's turning to shit. Like almost like almost everything about the sport mm. from from the bottom up is just. It's been terrible the last what like five six years. Yeah, and longer, really, if you think about it. Like, there's only been vi- like one or two years here or there where it's not been one car or one team dominating. Like, yeah, really, I mean, I re- guess really, you've got like you've got 2021, which was a complete outlier. Yeah, you've got 2009 with with Button. You got the first half of 2012 where there were the seven different winners in the first seven races. Yeah, 
you had a couple of years where it was Ferrari versus McLaren, and then you, and then a couple of years of Renault, and then it's straight back to Ferrari dominance, and then it's McLaren yeah. dominance, and it's Williams dominance. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I, you know, I guess, I guess you're right. It is par for the course to have one team just kind of fucking run away with but it. Never but, have we had like but, one team with one driver so far ahead of the other driver <laughs> like, of, of everything, right? And and think about this, it. What, what was it before they started? Like just arbitrarily adding dates to the calendar what was it like 17 races 18 to 20 races yeah Uh, not even that many really yeah sometimes 15 yeah and now you're at 24 fucking races yeah and and if i'm not mistaken i think red bull has won every race in a 12 month period now right uh not in a 12 month period no no okay no I thought I heard that stat somewhere. No, because uh, the last uh, Mercedes won Brazil at the end of last year. Ah, uh, yeah. Otherwise, it would be pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. that's depressing. But I mean, yeah. they're, they're they're on track to win what every race this season. God, I hope they don't. But the the more it's going on, the more it looks like they might. Because uh, again, barring, retreading all around from previous races, every other team is just doing and throwing behind them. Yeah, barring a a crash or a, a DNF due to mechanical failure, which over the course of twenty four races is bound to happen, or a rogue Checo doesn't care anymore, <laughs> takes Max out. That was the only hope I had for this. We'll, we'll, we'll get on to the actual race. Um, well, now basically, um, I would say that Saturday was better than Sunday. I, I think both the sprint qualifying shootout whatever and the sprint race were better than the grand prix um but that was mainly because of rain uh the sprint shootout qualifying on saturday was another wet dry session and verstappen got pole but only by 0.0 uh no less than the top three were covered by 0.025 with verstappen beating piastri by 0.011 and again it was this moment of you know you have piastri get up to the top and it was like Oh my God, is he going to do this? You know, his, his second sector was amazing and Verstappen's lap hasn't been that great. Oh, he's done it again. Like, it's just yeah. that, that moment of deflation. Like, oh, we have this amazing moment. And uh, it's no. Like, Piastri's second, having a moment right se- now, though. Yeah, the second Piastri Orlando get a pole, there's going to be a seismic event around the world, just everyone <laughs> losing their minds. You'll see it on the Richter scale. Yeah. I'm just going, ah. You know, it, and then it everyone indicative. will cry the next day. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really indicative of how much improvement McLaren has had this season. I mm-hmm. mean, they've gone from fighting Haas to now they're beating Aston Martin, beating Mercedes. Like that upgrade in progression has been really fantastic for them. Like everyone doubted it, you know, after Bahrain, like no way they're going to keep chipping away at it. And then all of a sudden, boom, they're best of the rest all of a sudden. Yeah, the past, what, like three rounds? Yeah. It's been. It's been the Oscar Piastri Lando Norris show as far as I'm concerned because they're the ones taking it taking an actual fight somewhere. Mm. You know. Uh it, it it sucks to see what has happened to Aston Martin. I I really, really hate that because I was excited for uh you know, Fernando Alonso to be doing extremely well. I was like, all right, you know, I th- after what, like four or five races, we were like, all right, Fernando Alonso is gonna be P two in the points, not yeah. uh, not so much anymore. Well, he's it's still currently, 
He's still, he's still currently, and I think this weekend was a step showing that they are still there or thereabouts. It's just that the top that the top teams behind Red Bull are all on top of each other. Yeah, uh, and, and but I mean, you it, know, like one tenth can be five positions. <laughs> they're they're losing the upgrade battle though, Aston Martin, and I think they're going to keep moving backwards. This is going to be a trend. I I, I see it now. Yeah, uh, it really uh, feels like they missed their window to get that sneaky win. Like they got all the podiums early on, but everyone's yeah. caught up. Now, but now the, Williams is beating them. But look how quickly one upgrade can fix things. Like McLaren, we said they've gone from fighting Haas to being second. If if Aston Martin bring an upgrade to Zandvoort of a similar measure, they're back up to finishing at least second again. So it's it's just how close that midfield is. You know, you see you see oh he's finishing eighth, but then like the positions four uh, three sometimes two if Perez shags it. Uh, to down to eight are all there, <laughs> so it's it, it's mad, and it's still like even even with Alonso finishing fifth, spoiler alert on Sunday in Sunday's race. When you think about where they were last year, it's still monumental the rises yeah. that both Aston and McLaren have been able to make. In particular, it's really impressive. Um, I, I misspoke yeah. a second ago. I said Williams was beating them. What I meant to say was Williams beat them in the sprint qualifying. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but that was mainly because you know you had Stroll go out there for a gamble on on slicks at the end of Q two, and then he shagged it into the barrier, and meant that Alonso couldn't do a lap. That's fair. But even even so, they put themselves in that position. Um, so yeah, the, the sprint shootout was good, and then in the sprint race, um, you had this. So there there were delays uh, for uh, because of rain to both sprint shoot the sprint the sprint shootout and the sprint race. Um. We'll get on to what we thought about rain in a moment. Um, basically, by the time that the track was ready to be raced because of the visibility, there was no need to have the wet tires anymore, which were mandated to be started on by the FIA when you have a safety car start. So you had some teams, some teams and drivers pit immediately at the end of um, lap uh, or, or coming to the green flag under the safety car to change over to intermediates, and you had others wait because. As we saw with Hunting Hungry a couple of years ago, if you if you're the leader and you come in straight away under the safety car, you're the first pit stall and you're going to get held up by all the other cars coming in. So they couldn't pit Max. Piastri came in from second, and then by the time they'd gotten back around with him on the inters and Max came in on the second lap, Piastri had jumped ahead of him. All of a sudden, oh, is this going to be another race where Max is? At, is this finally going to be the race where Max loses or something? No, no, he he, he nope. passed Piastri later on after a safety car but piastri led a good good few laps and you know it was it, the safety car was what really undid him really because it allowed max to be right in his his wheel tracks going up through a rouge and the camel straight to slipstream past him because that red bull's a fucking meteor but it was yeah uh, i, I want to get the piastri praise out now because the grand prix wasn't very uh great for him although i it wasn't his fault we'll get on to that um he, as you said, he is on a tear right now. Piastri is is proving everybody, proving to everybody why McLaren fought so hard to get him. Yeah, like we saw from his junior career in F two, F three, like he had a meteoric rise through all the junior categories. We know he's a legitimate talent. Like his class of F two drivers, I'd put that above like the Nick DeFries class where he won the F two championship. Oscar Piastri is that 
semi-transcendent driver, you know, like a Charles Leclerc, uh, like a, not necessarily like a Verstappen exactly, but like those, like a George Russell who just went up through all the ranks, F2, F3, winning the championships immediately, like that just raw talent. And now that he has the same upgrades as Lando, we're seeing him perform at Lando's level and this weekend a little above Lando, which is mm. great to see. Yeah, and it's a shame because I do think that had Oscar not been eliminated in Sunday's race very early on, I think he would have beaten Lando. Um, it would have been a difficult race for them, and we'll get on to McLaren's difficult Sunday. But f- further to your point, it, we, we've seen so many drivers have these incredible junior careers, and yet only a handful of them get the opportunity to then translate that into performing on the big stage in Formula One, either be it through their own mistakes or the teams they end up at. And, you know, Oscar and Lando to an extent have really lucked into a point of McLaren where they are getting back on top. Whereas you've seen other meteoric talents also go to McLaren in formula one and their formula one careers have been disastrous like Kevin Magnussen, like Stoffel van Dorn, you know, they, they have not, they have not had Checo. that same chance. Checo as well. Yeah, you're exactly right. You know, it's, it's just, you know, you, you can have all, all the pieces in the right, order and you can finally get up to formula one after a meteoric junior formula career and and then it's just you know is the team i'm going to end up at going to be good or bad at this time and that can completely shape your whole career and i think for oscar even this even if this period of time ends up being brief before mclaren goes down or something i don't know he's already proven i think to a lot of people that he is a really really exciting young driver yeah. and the fact that people are likening him his driving style to max as well is quite scary and he looks like a super genius i mean given what happened to his former team this weekend <laughs> yeah yeah I, I mean they actually had a good sprint but yeah everything else around we'll talk we'll talk about alpine in a moment but i think the mark weber his manager his decision to get Piastri out of Alpine and into McLaren is up there with his greatest racing achievements. Like that. Wait, Mark Weber is Oscar Piastri's manager. Yeah. Yep. What? <laughs> it, it's widely believed, but not confirmed. So you'll remember that when Alonso left uh, Aston, it came basic uh, Alpine. It came on the same day that Oscar announced basically that he was good he didn't want to race for them it was like within the same week or something it's believed that alonzo and weber who are very good friends might have conspired on that to wow to try and <clears throat> cause the most shit housery possible and i don't i don't discount that <laughs> l plan intensifies l fucking plan <laughs> wow i had um, no idea i had no yeah, idea yeah. it's great it's it's really cool i like mark he, he's a he's a fucking lad as well um but yes sadly piastri wasn't able to quite hold off max that that car was just too fast um in the end i even without the safety car i think he would have got him in the end anyway so um yeah verstappen ended up winning the sprint race ahead of oscar piastri third would go to another driver who really lucked into the time they changed onto winters He, he was a driver that pitted on the initial start basically after the safety car came in uh came out in a in third and stayed there and that was pierre gasly for alpine now great that's his highest position yet in alpine um in fact he actually even though the sprint race offers less much less points than the actual race he scored more points 
in that race than he did at any other race so far for Alpine, which is a bit, you know, that's not a great look, but you know, it's a good <laughs> sign that they're, they're able to be in the fight there when, when circumstances prevail. And, you know, Ocon also got a podium in Monaco in similar-ish circumstances. So, you know, they're, they're at least competitive enough to make the most of these situations. However, all of the talk around Alpine this weekend wasn't anything about that. It was about what they announced in the middle of, it was in the middle of Saturday, wasn't it? <laughs> like j- j- right in the middle of the weekend, Alpine announced that they had fired Otmar Safanauer, the team principal, and Alan Permain, uh, one of the leading figures at the Enstone team and has been there since the 80s, I believe, or the 90s. Um, th- there's a list somewhere of all of the hires and fires that Alpine have had over the it, last 18 months. It's not period. just them, it's also the uh, team principal in charge of Alpine in general. Like he, That CEO, he's fired too. He's got moved to, well, he's not fired. He got moved to special projects is the language they love using so the same way that Cyril yeah. are, are beatable. So. But yeah, like the, the amount of people they have let go. And like Otmar's only been there for about 18 months or so. Like they, they've yeah. hardly given him any time at all. Now, whilst I think Otmar Safanauer is quite an incapable idiot, you can't. Like they've got Ferrari syndrome. They're firing people willy nilly, hoping that one of them's going to be the magic bullet, and they're not giving anybody any time to try and make substantive change. And why would you do it in the middle of a weekend? And that's the thing, especially right? like, in the you, middle of the weekend, just before the summer break. Like, and yeah, you could have you could have either done that last week and not had to fly him out to fucking Belgium, or let him finish out the weekend mm. and then use the summer break to figure some shit out. Why in the middle of the weekend? Uh, and and it was still he stayed on site doing his op his op his job until the end of the weekend. Like, nah, why? I would have left. <laughs> I, I would have left. I, I bet he rang up that hotel bill room service. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like you you're working a job, and you know, they call you in in the morning. They're like, all right, we're gonna have to let you go. All right, but we want you to stay to the end of the day. Peace. Uh, no, you just fired me. I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> like Ted Kravitz, his his thought, and I this could be right. Is the only thing he can reason he can see as to why they did it midweekend is they want they wanted all the headlines to show to their shareholders and investors that they were serious about moving forward. So you know, make it as big of a public thing as possible to be like, I... look, this is what we're doing. But equally, they're French. I like, hate all this fucking pageantry, right? Like it's Formula One. <laughs> Formula One's all but, posturing and showboating, yeah. and like, look how serious we are. We did this massive change. Look how much money we spent. Look at this celebrity we have in our garage. It's all posturing, just like the racing. It's like pinnacle. Yeah, they run single fly with one guy winning by half a minute. I mean, it, that's yeah. that's all it is. It's and it, Instagram it, racing. It wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't even just Otmar either. Yeah, 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 it was like like, yeah, like we said, so it was like three Ot- people at once. <laughs> uh, let's see, I'm I'm reading this from therace.com. Uh, dramatically parted away with a group of senior employees, including team principal Otmar Safnar. Uh, sporting director Alan Permain is also leaving, while Williams team principal James Vowles announced during Sky Sports F1 Belgian Grand Prix practice coverage that Alpine's chief technical technical officer Pat Fry is moving to Williams to become technical director. Uh, the departure comes swiftly after Alpine Alpine CEO Laurent Rossi was also replaced by Philip Philippe Kreef. Uh 
who was only appointed Alpine's vice president of engineering and product performance in February, and Bruno Famine named Alpine's vice president of motorsport. So, so who do they what? fire? Everyone! Everyone. <laughs> fucking silly season at Alpine right now. It's I, been silly season at Alpine for fucking ages. It's I just they're the least serious manufacturer in Formula One, and that's amazing considering Ferrari are there. Like it, it's it's quite unbelievable that they're managing to out Ferrari Ferrari. Like it's it, it's so French. Like it's that, crazy it's, it's that they've always even... been this way. Well, <laughs> this is what happens when you have a state-run car company. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean it's it's Summed run up, by really. The, everybody there is a fucking government employee, and they're all just getting fired and shuffled around and have no say in it. Yeah, it, it's such a shame because there are ingredients there that could lead to a really good team that's fought, that's up there with all of the other ones we mentioned earlier. Yeah, if they could just get their shit together, like yeah, and it's it, I don't know how like. It, how they locked into that win at Hungary a couple of years ago. Well, it was because Alonso defended like an absolute G. But, you know, there it's hilarious that of all of the teams that aren't like Red Bull or Mercedes or Ferrari over the last few years, of all of the ones in the midfield that have locked into wins, why is it always Alpine that, that managed to get into yeah, these situations? I have, I have no idea. I don't even know why they're in the sport, to be honest, Alpine. I don't no, know why. Well, it, it's it, it's marketing, you know. I know it's like, marketing, but nobody's buying a fucking no Alpine because yeah, no one cares. <laughs> I, like it I, makes I, no I, sense. I I know I live in the United States, but I've never seen an Alpine. It's the same here. Like it's Europe. I, I, I nobody nobody buys Alpine. Alpine are are fucking. It's like how, you know, if you're trying to, you want to buy a Porsche, you're having a midlife crisis, you want to buy a Porsche, so you buy the Cayman because you can't quite afford a 911. Yeah. It's like, oh, I can't quite afford a Cayman, so I'm going to buy an Alpine. You know, it's it's a shit supercar for, for poor hipsters. No, it's not. It's a sports car. Sorry, I misspoke. It's a sports car. It's like a, a, it's a mid-engine sticks, Miata, right? Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I don't, ridiculous. I don't get it. It They've made got no it, brand rec- recognition. It would have made much more saying. sense to keep it, it as, as Renault. fucking Renault. Well, yeah. even if they made it Dacia, like it would have had more of a fucking name presence than fucking Alpine. Yeah, like, I don't, uh, I don't, or Nissan. I just oh, don't. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, let's let's. Uh, I'm so glad that there's more teams coming. Yeah. <laughs> But I hey, mean, they've, I, they've all been recognized that, that Cadillac is coming, right? I mean, no. It's, it's yeah, still, because it's Formula One, it's still up in the air as to whether they're actually going to be accepted. So, well, well, also, who's the Cadillac's engine initially tied to? <laughs> Renault, fuck. <laughs> yeah, so. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Shit, never mind. Um, but yeah, he, he, at least they managed to get a podium out of this weekend, albeit in the race where nobody stands on the podium. So, you know, cool for them, I guess. But I, I like Gasly, so it, it was nice. And, and and the really cool thing for him was obviously it's a it's at a track that's very meaningful to him. It's both a track that he's loved over the years, but it's also, as he said, it's the track where he's had the most heartbreak. Obviously, after losing Antoine in 2019, and he, he dedicated the podium, not podium, but he dedicated the third place to Antoine, which was which was a really nice moment. Uh, and it was cool to see them up there at least they just need to sort their shit out um 
we're gonna we're spending more time on the sprint race than we're gonna spend on the actual Grand Prix because the Grand Prix was shit. But fourth in the sprint race was Hamilton initially, but then he got a penalty after contact with Sergio Perez. Uh, the contact came in one of the rare moments of the weekend where somebody didn't pass on the Kemmel straight with DRS, where um, Hamilton got up the inside at Stavlo, um, and then out of out of I think they call it Stavlo too. I'm not too sure. Um, no, they, they keep changing the names. The, the corner coming on to the run-up to Blanchimont. Um, Hamilton was on the inside, had been inside for the fast two corners. Uh, either understeer due to the conditions or due to whatever, got lightly into the side of Perez's car, but it was enough to put a, uh, a hole in his, uh, in his side pod. Um, Perez then faded away over the next few laps, blaming the damage, which yeah, yeah, probably could have been the damage given how fragile Formula One cars are these days. Could have been um, that. It also could have been the uh, zero grip he had the entire. Could have been that time. as well. Yeah. yeah. Equally, if he wasn't, if if it wasn't a massive skill issue, he wouldn't have been battling Lewis in the first place. But nevertheless, he ended up retiring as a result of the damage. Or did did he retire actually? Uh, yes, he did retire. Yeah, he he went off track again at Stavelo a lap later and then retired. Um, ultimately, the stewards decided to give Hamilton a five-second penalty for causing a collision. What do we think of that? Uh, I don't know. I think that was a bit, bit of a heavy penalty considering it looked more like a racing incident. You know? Yeah. It didn't look like... Uh, it, it just it didn't look like a... a, a an incident deserving of a penalty for anybody. It's like, okay, y'all came into contact. That happens when you, you know, race racing funny little cars and funny little circles. Yeah. You know, eventually you're going to, the tips are going to touch even by accident. Yeah. So that's the worst kind accidental tip, touch, tip touching. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they, they bring in a sprint race to try and get some more excitement and some overtaking. And then the moment somebody doesn't overtake that isn't DRS assisted on a straight, they penalize it. And, and then they'll penalize like slight contact side by side when one of them is clearly there. Um, and yet they'll allow other drivers to push people off the track when the people are on their outside and they won't get penalties for it. It's just, the, the, I don't understand any FIA stewarding decisions these days. There's no consistency. It, it's, when they finally get the raising action they've wanted the package to bring this whole time, they penalize it. Like yeah. This whole weekend, I know we won't cover it, Like just incidental racing incident contact gets penalized super harshly. It, it just doesn't make any sense. Like Yes, this Lewis Checo incident, I'm sure Red Bull and Lewis fans are up in arms because tribalism but then oh it's a shit show yeah like supercars like we saw shane van gisberg and you know have incidental contact in his race and get five second heavy penalty as well it's just what does the fia want from formula one and their drivers do they want them to have good competitive hard racing or is it drs only is it okay dominant car only like what do they actually want if they wanted to promote close racing with these regs let let them cook. Let them have this close racing. The yeah. racing drivers. Let them do what they're supposed to. It, it doesn't yeah. make any sense. I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, as a result of the penalty, um, the uh, uh, Science and Leclerc were both uh, uh, moved up a position. Uh, Norris also moved up to sixth. Um, so yeah, it was uh, Science, then Leclerc, then Norris, then Hamilton. Um, 
I think the the only other thing worth mentioning was the fact that Daniel Ricciardo was was looking like he was going to score a point in eighth place, but got passed late on by um, uh, George Russell on the penultimate lap. Um, it was it was. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about George! Ricciardo now. We'll talk about Ricciardo now because he didn't really factor into it in Sunday. But it was a, it was a real half and half race weekend for him because he he got a lap time deleted in Friday qualifying for Sunday's race, which meant that he would start right at the back. But then he started relatively midfield in uh, Saturday's race, which uh, for Saturday's race, which put him in a shot of a podium, uh, podium points. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm still trying to work out where he really sits with Yuki. We haven't really seen a normal race weekend for either of them yet, but he looked more. He, he looked okay. He looked fine. Yeah. yeah, let's give him until after the summer break. Give him some sim time. Oh, he doesn't have that long. Helmet will have him out by then. He hasn't, <laughs> scored a, he hasn't scored a point yet. He's probably already put Liam Lawson in the car. Like we just don't know it yet. So we'll <laughs> we'll see. You got Jerry's two races. Out. Yeah, two races <laughs> to get a win. <laughs> um, Sunday's race. Not much to talk about apart from really the the, the first few laps. Really. Um, so Leclerc started on pole. Um, Perez. After a little bit of swerving on the run to turn one, managed to get the lead uh, at the end of the Camel Straight on lap one to control the race from early early on. Verstappen weaved through some chaos, which we'll get onto in a moment, uh, to get up to fourth by the end of lap one. Um, then he got bogged down in a bit of a DRS train. Once he got through that, he relatively easy easily uh, passed Hamilton and Leclerc. Um, and then it was only a matter of time. It, it was about 2.7 seconds between him and Perez when he got into second place. And then, you know, it was kind of staying roughly around that. It was like, oh, is, is this going to be a race where Perez just kind of holds it? And then as soon as they pitted for the first time, um, immediately Verstappen just closed up that gap on pit exit. Like it, it, he was just there. And then he got by him straight away down the Kemmel straight DRS assisted pass. Within three corners, he was out of DRS range of Perez, and Julie buggered off to a win by 22 seconds over Perez, despite starting sixth. I mean, w- w- I don't want to tread over the ground that we've already treaded on in this episode and last episode much, but it's just another... It, 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 you can't. It doesn't matter where you put him. It, it doesn't matter yeah. what circumstances you put him in. He, he could be starting 14th in Miami. He could be starting sixth here. He's just invulnerable to damage or any kind of bad luck right now. And this is me trying to heavily jinx him for Zandvoort. Um, <laughs> but yeah, let's make that that race the one race he loses. If he season. loses Zandvoort, I will. I that that will refill my optimism for Formula One for the rest of the year. Yeah, I, I could watch. I could watch him win every single other race by thirty seconds for the rest of the year. But knowing he lost Zandvoort would be enough. Yep. We're due for a lap one, turn one kerfuffle. Who makes the ultimate sacrifice? It'd be lovely. Yeah, someone needs to do it. Like Zandvoort's <laughs> a place for it to happen. Oh, it'd be beautiful. And just watching one everyone is... leave at once yeah. in the grandstands. Sorry if you're Dutch and you like Max Verstappen, but and, and, just and to be honest, flares onto the track. Oh my god! Yeah, they would. Oh, they actually would though. Like you're absolutely right. You know those flares that they definitely banned. Yeah, definitely banned. Um. <laughs> fucking FIA stewards like fucking police officers during Prohibition era. Oh, we didn't see that. Um, yeah, like 
I, I, I did see. I don't want to. I don't want to bitch on Max too much because you know he's just making the best of the situation he's in. But fuck off, Red Bull. But he did <laughs> say some shit on the radio, like, "Hey, I can come in and pit again, and we can get another pit stop practice." That was the only exciting thing from this race, and it's the confusing thing I have. You're in one of the, well, actually the statistically most dominant car in Formula 1 history at the moment. You're leading the championship like with 314 points compared to your teammate on 189. You're going to win a third championship. And yet, the radio communication between him and his engineer this race was really tetchy and antagonistic both ways as well. Like, fucking Jean-Pierre Lambassi was giving it back, and that was hilarious. Love it. Like, even in qualifying, where they nearly missed out in Q2, you know, Verstappen was like, oh, we should have done two laps, like I said, and GP was like, well, and how would that ended for you when you had the best track conditions but no hybrid usage? And then in this race, he's like, oh, you used too much tire on your outlap. Like, I'd consider you'd use your head a bit more, and I'm like, Oh Ooh. shit! Oh. <laughs> get him, GP! Get him! Yeah. Get him! Get him! <laughs> and yeah. then at the end, he was I like, just... "Oh, sorry for getting angry. I'm slowly getting used to it." Like, <laughs> I would hate to be his engineer. <laughs> I I just keep thinking back to like back in the day during, you know, uh, the, like the Daytona 24 when, and I'm talking way back in the day, like mm. 90s and 80s. Uh. You know, the the margin for the win would be so huge that they would pull the car into the pits to wipe it down so it looked pretty as it crossed the line. <laughs> Honestly, that's like you that's know, like the cut the endurance equivalent of Red Bull pitting for the fastest lap on the last lap. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. The fact that Verstappen wanted to do it again, like just <laughs> fuck Jesus off. Christ. Uh, I think yeah. that all that's all they want to do from that is to just mask the fact that they're winning by thirty seconds. Like just to to then lie and say, oh, it's really close. The margin of victory has been, yeah, but you pit it again. Fuck off. Yeah, right. and uh, still won by thirty seconds. Yeah, fuck out of here. It's it's Red, fucking annoying. Red Bull is so. the kid who buys Madden, makes a ninety nine team, and then continues to do onside kick after onside kick to keep scoring. They just run <laughs> it up. That's that's what they're doing. Like we want all the scoring records. Give it to me. <laughs> no one likes that kid. Stop no. it. No one likes Red Bull. Um, so, yeah, Verstappen won by 22.3 seconds. Perez finished second in a race weekend where he started second, led at the end of lap one, and still lost to his teammate by 22 seconds after starting after he started sixth. I'm surprised they didn't vote in driver of the day for that, but whatever, you know, that's, that's <laughs> drive to survive fans, I guess. Um, Who got third, driver of the day? Driver of the day, I don't actually know. It, if it was Perez, I'm going to fucking better shit be myself. Piastri. I'm I'm gonna check, um, whilst uh, whilst we talk about the next thing, um, yeah, Leclerc started on pole, finished third. It was decent for Ferrari to be somewhat up there again, like toward the front of that big midfield battle. So cool for them, I guess. But they were fairly alone. Um, Hamilton finished fourth and got fastest lap after they pitted for the fastest lap at the end of the race, which I took way too much satisfaction out of that than than was really worthwhile, but. Your Spa 2023 driver of the day. Please say it wasn't Sergio Perez. Sergio Perez. Fuck (laughs) off! Why? What what is it with people voting for Sergio Perez? No, no, no. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They listed it backwards. They listed it it backwards. It was Max that got driver of the day with 15.5%. Oh, for DRS assisted (laughs) overtakes. Holy shit. (laughs) My Sergio God. got seven point three of the vote. What a guy! So, yeah, seven point—that's still too much. Like, 
Oh, I don't get it. Like, who is voting for them? He started sixth. He avoided Science killing Piastri on lap one, which we'll talk about in a second. He DRS passed three other people and, and one like in a really dominant car. Where is the driver of the day in that? Where is the driver of the day? You give the driver of the day to someone like Albon, who actually had the balls to overtake people outside of DRS for a fucking change. You give it to Norris for coming back after having after being like 17th at some stage to finish 7th. Why are you giving well, it to Verstappen or Perez? Well, <laughs> I mean, that's... Almost said Verstappen. Verstappen winning driver of the day in Belgium is kind of his birthright at this point, right? I mean, mm. you knew that was going to happen. Yeah, he's going to get driver of the day next week too. Oh yeah, well, mercifully we've got a few weeks to for me to prepare for that bullshit. But um, yeah, it's going to happen. Um, oh, we need to stop talking about Formula One before I get yeah. angry. So anyway, there um, was a Formula One or a Formula E race. Oh, well, hang on, no, we're, we're not we're not done. Oh, done yet because well. uh, Piastri and Science annoyingly, but that's the last thing we need to talk about. Science and Piastri. So Piastri's really good weekend uh, was kind of came undone on Sunday. Uh, he started, oh, I believe, yeah. fifth, um, just behind Science. Um, it, it kind of looked like I don't want to blame it fully on Science. So they they made contact at turn one. It looked like because of Perez is weaving at the front, Hamilton had to move over to kind of avoid him, which meant Science had to move over to avoid him a little bit. And that closed the door on Piastri, who was already alongside Science. I'd call that the definition of a racing incident. I wouldn't blame either one of them really for it. Science, however, went full nuke on on him on social media, saying like, oh, it's an experience. The move was never on, blah, blah, blah. Eh? That's what what the, the F1 commentary was saying. That it like it was all Piastri's fault. He shouldn't have stuffed his nose in there. But I mean, Perez was in full lockup, mm. right? Like uh, Piastri was, or nope, or not, not Perez, Leclerc, Signs, whoever was in the Ferrari, Signs, Signs, Signs was on, like it, like his fronts were fully locked up, and Piastri was trying to send it in on the inside. You're talking about the turn one incident, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's it was just a yeah. It was just, just a, you know th- there was an acre of space when he committed to the move, and by the time he committed to the move, it had concertinaed up. You know, lap again, are we penalizing racing? Yeah, <laughs> it's just lap one at La Source. Yeah, and it was such a shame for 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 Piastri because you know it, again it would have been a struggle of a race. McLaren had a, a lot worse of a Sunday, and it explains why they were so good on Saturday because they put a lot of downforce on their car, expecting rain, and the rain never came. And then all of a sudden there was a very slight bit of rain in the middle of the Grand Prix and all of a sudden Lando was like fucking flying again. He was like three seconds ahead of it, quicker than Verstappen on their outlaps. Um, so it would have been a difficult one. I'm not saying Piastri would have necessarily challenged for a podium, but he would have been solidly in the points. And I think he would have beat Norris. Um, but yeah, the, the contact gave him pretty heavy suspension damage. He, he had... There was onboard footage of him trying to get back to the pits on the Kemmel straight, and to go straight, he was at 180 degrees lock. That's that's a too much damage we're done on iRacing, so like, fuck that. Um, but that, that was a shame for him. Um, so, yeah, to, to, to move on from Formula 1 as quickly as possible, uh, yeah, Hamilton ended up finishing fourth ahead of Alonso, fifth. Um, Russell, sixth ahead of Norris, seventh. Like I said, it, he plummeted down the order down to like 17th at one point. He looked like he was going to be nowhere, but and somehow finished seventh. Ocon was eighth ahead of Stroll, ninth with Sunoda, tenth. Um, 
shout out to Albon down in 14th for overtaking about 12 million cars, but somehow still being 14th in the closing stages. Don't know how that happened, but he actually had some really good overtakes in the closing stages. He should have been driver of the day, not fucking Verstappen. Um, championship standings, who cares? We know who's leading both. It's it's quite a lot. Next race is Anvor after the summer break. Thank fuck for that, for a break. <laughs> um, briefly mentioning the support races because they were infinitely better. Uh, F2 sprint race was won by Enzo Fittipaldi. It was the maiden victory for him, which was really cool. And it was also the first time a Fittipaldi has won at Spa because despite the fact that Emerson won t- twice in Belgium, it was never at Spa. Really? Yeah, it was at Zolder. Huh. Uh, well, at least one of them was at Zolder. I don't know if there was another one, but it wasn't Spa, which is quite interesting. Um, most interesting thing to come out of the Spa weekend. Um, the feature race was won by Jack Doohan. It was back-to-back feature race victories. Uh, if only he was this consistent the rest of the time, therefore maybe he would end up winning a seat in a team that's slowly imploding in Formula 1. Um, <laughs> it was a great battle he had to, to take the lead from a chair just they it was really good throwing everything at it um teo uh you mentioned teo he finished second and took the lead back in the championship after his closest rival frederick vesti um spun on the lap to not even the grid but to the pre-grid um in the wet conditions and had to retire instantaneously so that's a wow a, a big uh, he's got well he's got 12 12 points over him but it's a big swing and it could end up being very very important later on so for it to yeah, come was... down to a retirement not even during a race <laughs> yeah he wasn't the only one who spun on that siding lap like mm. i think there's at least one other f2 driver i forgot his name and then also uh, Victor Martins. yeah yeah it, it was tricky it was tricky in the morning it's just a shame that the rain didn't stay around for the formula one race um yeah, as a result, Teo leads by 12 points. They'll be back in action at Zandvoort as well. And just to very briefly mention F3, um, Kayo Collette won the sprint race for Van Amersfoort Racing uh, with um, Taylor Barnard uh, taking the feature race win. Um, there was a slightly interesting moment during the race where uh, I think it was... Uh, oh, I think... It was, uh, Pepe Marti, perhaps. Um, what a, a driver had a moment of Pouar was facing kind of par- uh, perpendicular with the track, and there was a marshal in front of him trying to just gesture him to move forward and pull back onto the race line and recover. And then, as he pulled forward, obeying the marshal's instructions, another car came around the corner and hit him for an unsafe rejoin. They ultimately ended up not giving him the penalty because the marshal had told him wrong information. It, it was it looked horrible but mercifully you, everyone was okay <laughs> what could you do to penalize a marshal i guess just not have him <laughs> fire him i don't know yeah. like. <laughs> well they're all volunteers i don't think they get paid yeah yeah oh yeah yeah just like yeah your, your services are no longer required yeah um very Water brief boy. shout out <laughs> oh god um very brief shout out for uh, in that um feature race for formula three to sophia flush who finished seventh and became the first woman to score points in formula three um she is a very very underrated driver given what she also did in the richard meal uh lmp2 in wec a couple years ago she she's really really good and just needs the opportunity to do more her her crash at lamar really sucked Mm, that was uh that was heartbreaking 
She had to, right? she, yeah, she had to call in on a cell phone. <laughs> That's actually not uncommon for Lamar. Yeah, I think they keep him in the car. We had to do that. Uh, can we get like the top five drivers in F1 Academy like seats in F3 so it can actually show what they have? Yeah, I mean, we we didn't have this on the run plan, uh, and you know we're we're doing the thing where we tangent off, but we need uh, I I neglected to put this in the run of show, and we should have done. Uh, there was news that from next season in Formula Academy there will be fifteen cars, and ten of them will be fully liveried and supported by Formula One teams. So there will be a Ferrari. There will be Formula One liveries and support for 10 of the drivers. There'll be one car per team. And then nice. there will be five uh, entrants for ones that are unsupported from Formula One uh, teams, but will be supported from elsewhere. Uh, that and the fact that this weekend was the last Formula Academy race not on the support schedule for Formula One the rest of the races this year will be Formula One support races and all of the races next year will be Formula One support races. That means at last the races will be broadcast live. Thank God for that. Because in a series that's about exposing women racing to women who want to get into motorsport, you can't do that if nobody's being able to watch it. So thank God that like both of those things, really good news. The fact there's this, this much interest and support from Formula One teams, the fact that we're finally going to be able to fucking watch them. Excellent. Uh, and and people like I know Sophia Flush isn't in that series because she's arguably at the point where she doesn't really need to be there because she's already making a name for herself. People like Sophia showcase why we need to give women the opportunities to actually show what they can fucking do. There are lots of women in F in F one Academy who could do just as well as Sophia Flush, if not better. Like I, I'm thinking of like uh, Bianca Bustamante or um, uh, uh, Marta Garcia. You know, there's all the racing is amazing. So many, so many of them are winning races in that series. It's extremely competitive, and they're all good enough to do it. So we just need to see more of it. That's that's my TED talk, albeit short. Um, we need to move on from Formula One and Formula One related activity. Um, at last, thank God, to talk about the infinitely better Formula E. Um, they had their championship deciding doubleheader race weekend in London at the half-indoor, half-outdoor XL Centre circuit. Um, have, had you guys seen the circuit before? I, I know, Greg, you haven't really watched Formula E before. Um, JD, I think you perhaps might have seen this tracking years yeah. past because I probably cool. sent you a video of it anyway. Before this race. season, actually, I'll say before this season, this was one of the only Formula oh, E good. tracks that that I knew because it's, it's fucking Mario Kart. It's awesome. I it's, love it. I, I love it. It looks like going to uh, an Andretti karting thing where they do like a two-story, <laughs> you know, like... It, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It feels very indoor karting, doesn't it? It's great. It yeah. looks awesome. There was, you know, the scenes from the indoor part when it was raining and rain's coming through and getting onto the track a little bit there indoors and the the stands. Oh, I bet that was awesome. Yeah, I've, I've got I've got a few friends that have been there, um, and, and the atmosphere looked amazing. And it was packed. It was yeah. absolutely packed both days. It was great to see that kind of level of engagement with Formula E. They did a really big push in this country, doing a lot of advertisement on loads of different channels and social media accounts. They they knocked out the park for this one. I think they just, they 
this season, the only complaint I have really with Formula E this season is they haven't really marketed it out that well, considering how much of an improvement it's been. This race felt different. I don't know whether it was just because I'm someone from the UK and I saw a lot of the UK marketing, but it seemed a lot better in that sense. And it showed yeah. with the amount of people that went. This venue ticks all the boxes for a series having a marquee event. I mean, mm. you think about all the other series, you know, F1 has Monaco, Indy has Indianapolis, NASCAR has Daytona. You know, they're all memorable places for that specific series that races there. You know, this is such a unique experience to have the indoor and outdoor door track layout. Like like Greg said, like the people were packed in there like sardines. It was crazy. Just having that dichotomy of dry indoor, wet outdoor. It was craziness. You know, and I've seen you drive it on RF2 and it is nuts. It's tough. It's it's really tough. It, it's, it's a nice blend of... It's one of the classical Formula E tracks where it's really tight and twisty in some locations, but then you add the indoor and outdoor element and the ramps going up and down into the center itself. It's it's just mad. Um, but it, it very much races like a traditional Formula E track, which means you're either going to get somewhat of a karma race for energy management or you're going to get absolute chaos. And during the doubleheader weekend, we got both, which yep. is great. Um, Cassidy got the pole for the first race um, in a weekend where it was really a championship fight between Dennis, who had quite a good lead over Cassidy and then Evans. Those were really the main three championship contenders. Mathematically, Verline was still in it, but he wasn't really. Porsche really dropped the ball this year and, and Verline to an extent, as much as it pains me to say. Uh, but Cassidy got pole and therefore took a few uh, crucial. Oh, no, sorry, it was Cassidy that started on pole, but Evans took pole, but had a penalty for colliding with somebody in Rome. So Evans got the three all-important points to remain somewhat in championship contention, but Cassidy stayed on the pole position. Confusing. Formula E. Fuck it. Um, the race itself, race one, was absolutely insane. And it, it was... <laughs> the fact that... Um, so Nick Cassidy was kind of hoping, you know, again, Dennis had a, quite a bit of a points advantage, so they really needed to try and make make the most of any kind of point where they were leading or had a chance to win. At the start of the race, Buemi, his teammate in the Envision Virgin car, managed to get ahead of Cassidy, and Cassidy kind of ceded position uh, to, to do so, um, kind of playing a team game, you know, sort each other out, and then we'll sort the championship points out later on in the race. Then there was this awkward exchange where Cassidy who was being hounded by Dennis right behind him was trying to get past Bawemi. And there were multiple opportunities for Bawemi to be let to, to let Cassidy through. And yet they didn't do it. And vision never called them to do it. And then ultimately Cassidy tries to go wheel to wheel with Bawemi. There's contact. Cassidy loses his front wing and has to retire, therefore ending his championship hopes. Uh, what a shit show. Like, <laughs> Boemi even said, look, guys, if you told me to move, I'd have done it. What, yep. Where was the call? I, that's one of the most baffling decisions I've seen in a World Championship Motorsport Series in a long time. Make no sense. They didn't follow rule number one or rule number two. Rule number one, don't wreck your teammate. Rule number two, if you can't win, help your teammate out. Yeah. Just lack of execution on all sides. It's just terrible. Um, yeah, you, you had that, you know, it was, a, it was a, a, a shame of a weekend for Cassidy 
because we'll, we'll get on to what he did in race two, but this is his last weekend racing for Envision. He's moving to Jaguar next season. Ironically, the team that Envision were fighting for the team's championship with. You know, what a sad way for that to end, really, with, with them basically completely screwing himself out of championship contention. I, I don't think it would have been enough for them to usurp Dennis by the end, but you never know. You know, maybe Dennis drives completely differently in race two had he not, spoiler alert, won the championship in race one. We don't know. But it was just messy. Um, but it wasn't the only kind of team orders drama that was in that race because after that point, um, you had Dennis trying to get it. So so with Evans leading, and Evans would ultimately win the race, uh, Dennis needed to finish third in race one to wrap up the championship that day. However, he had an obstacle in the way, and that was a Porsche. Now, Porsche are the team that supply uh, engines, powertrains to Andretti. And Andretti were under the belief that there was an agreement whereby Porsche would help them uh, help them secure the championship as a customer because it looks good having a Porsche-powered team win the championship. Uh, nobody told Pascal Verlein that <laughs> um, <laughs> as, as he uh, rapidly and very, very robustly defended against Dennis to the point where Dennis was doing his usual whining over the team radio, um, which culminated. I've never seen Michael Andretti that angry. <laughs> he, he marched out of his garage and went and had a, a, a word in the Porsche pit area. Yeah, I, I've in all the years I've seen Michael Andretti in 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 IndyCar or, or other racing events, I've never seen him as angry as he was. Like even when half of his IndyCar drivers eliminate themselves as quite often as they do, you know, he's he's never been that angry. That was quite scary. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's got to say something for like a customer team to walk to the factory team and be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> you know, that takes some balls. It was great. It, it was great. <laughs> um, ultimately, though, um, well, actually, the, the, the carnage still wasn't done. It looked as though there was going to be... Uh, what was the first red flag for? Oh, it was for, for barrier repair. So there was a, a scary incident toward the end of the race where I think it was Fenestraz uh, went over the back of um, Tictum. Yes. Oh, no, it was over the back of Kamara. Sorry, I just blamed Tictum. It's force of habit. Um, went over the back of him, <laughs> uh, went hard into the attack uh, zone ha uh, hairpin into the barrier, and they, they needed to do some uh, barrier repair. There was a lengthy red flag as a result of that. Uh, the race resumed about 20 minutes later um, with um, Evans holding the lead out ahead of uh, ahead of uh, Buemi and Felix da Costa and a couple of other guys. Um, then... <laughs> It, it, so this this was an interesting thing. So the race resumed with a very little laps remaining. I think it was about like four or five laps, not long at all. Boemi had been caught out and need and and needed to do his last bit of um, attack mode energy. And the way that it works in Formula E is you have to have used all of your attack mode energy by the end of the race, otherwise you get a penalty. So at the I, I don't know what his thinking was. At the start of the final couple of laps, he just backed way off. I think he was trying to hold everyone back so that he would at least cross the line, having crossed all, uh, having used all of his uh, uh, attack mode. I don't think it would have worked out that way. I, I think it was he had too much time. He had still had six minutes to use or something ridiculous like that. So th there was like a, a huge gap of like five seconds between the top three and then Buemi, who was holding off everybody else. 
coming up the ramp back into the XL center toward the end of the lap, Norman Nato goes to remove up the inside. Boemi turns in seemingly, I, I, I don't know, it was six of one, half a dozen of the other. Boemi turned in as if not Nato wasn't there. Nato was a bit, uh, what's the word, opportunistic. Um, their wheels interlocked. They both went into the outside barrier and Julie caused a Macau-style track blockage. It, every car but the top three were stuck. Yeah, it was a pretty incredible scene. <laughs> it, was, it was even better because they, they, I don't know why they didn't immediately red flag it, but they red flagged it like as the other car, the, the three leaders had crossed the line to start the next lap. Therefore, when the red flag came out, they all just get, came back around at pace car speed and then had to stop and wait behind the traffic jam. We witnessed the new racing show. technique. We've seen the truly train. Now we see the Bwemi block. The Bwemi block. <laughs> Superb. If he's not murdering GTEs at Monza, he's he's causing London-style traffic jams in oh, London. Never mind. Um, yeah, that, that was interesting as well. So cue another red flag period. Um, most of the confusion was about how to get everybody in the right order, considering there were three cars a lap ahead that shouldn't have been. They managed to sort it out with really great race direction, to be fair. Um yeah, a bit, bit, big fan of the actual race director in uh, in Formula E. Although I've completely forgot. Scott Elkins, that's his name. I, I love the way he explains things and that they actually broadcast his decision making over yeah. the radio so that everybody understands Formula One. Um, <laughs> not to name any any names. <laughs> yeah, I re- I really like that they do that too. It it adds another layer layer of uh, I guess awareness mm. for the for the fan, right? And it. it Makes you feel more or less like you get a headset on yourself. I, I want to see them do it in Formula One just to hear them try to explain the rules. The transparency of officiating is really top notch, and we see a mm. little bit of that in, in WEC as well with uh, Freitas when he's making decisions and calls over the radio. What uh, a guy. We, we, we saw what happened when F1 tried to do it, it just became a drama fest of everyone bullying Massey. But then they did so. it the wrong way around because they decided to allow the teams to, to, to be able to directly contact the race director over the radio and then broadcast that. Again, they just the, 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 normally they try don't. and bring in that fucking uh, race director of broadcast, and then they still find a way to fuck it up. Like <laughs> Formula yeah, One, man. I don't think I don't think normally you have contact with uh, race control. It, you shouldn't through do. like through like a like a, a messaging yeah center, right? I don't think you ever WEC use Discord. I believe. <laughs> do they really? Yeah, yeah, yeah they use Discord. Ever since they did virtual Lamar using Discord, like, hey, we're just going to use this for the actual races. Yeah, that's it's neat. great. Didn't they have they a, a, a for not being in the Discord meeting? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, they had or, what? Or someone was being someone was being naughty over Discord, like making fun of the official. They're like, this team has a penalty for abusing Discord or whatever. Wow, <laughs> so good. Wow, I wonder if I can get in on that. Uh, I wouldn't try. Oh, I want to <laughs> see if I can find a way. Why not? Uh, well, it's just going to be full of bullshit. It's the FIA. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah uh, after that red flag, um, it, it was a fairly straightforward end to the race after that. Um, Mitch Evans will cross the line to win by just over a second ahead of Jake Dennis. No, not ahead of Jake Dennis, because this was another weird thing. So it was originally ahead of Antonio Felix da Costa, who like started 17th and finished 2nd. But he got a penalty post-race, a three-minute penalty for um well they they were saying it was inaccurate tire pressures but it was a slow puncture he had a slow puncture it was in no way benefiting him and they gave him a three minute penalty three minutes seems like a lot 
three minutes. Formula E is incredibly draconian in the way it's, it, it, it does penalties. Now, I know we've just been promote, we've just been saying what a great job the race director does, but it's important to point out that the race director does not do the stewarding. They are two completely different roles. The race director directs the race. The stewards police it. And it's incredible how many people don't understand that, both in Formula E and in Formula One. But that that is how it be. <laughs> how much how much do a race stewards get? I want to get in on this. <laughs> I don't have to be good at the job. I just need to do it. Well, yeah, that's why they get Derek Warwick to do the Formula One stewarding. You know, you don't have to be good at it. Um, yeah. So. Um, yeah, that that dropped um, Antonio seventeenth. It was after a red flag, so it, you know he ended up being classified three minutes behind the leader, <laughs> but on the same lap. Fucking weird. Jake Dennis. How long is a lap? Uh, like like a, minute. a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> it's an anomaly. Who who, who knows? Um, Jake Dennis therefore got promoted to second, therefore being on the podium, therefore for the first time on this show, we've crowned a champion. Oh yeah, we, we haven't. I thought it was going to be SRX, but no, it didn't quite work out. No, so Jake Dennis is the 2022-2023 Formula One Formula E World Champion. Um, they keep calling it 2022-2023, even though all the races were in 2023. I don't understand it, but whatever. Um, yeah, World Champion. R- really cool story, actually. He nearly won it in his rookie season after being promoted. After his most famous thing was being a GT driver in a Formula One sim. Uh, driver for red bull and you know very nearly wins it for andretti in his rookie season doesn't have a very good second season then wins it the third season a good I, job, guy. I, I might take the piss out of him for whinging too much on the radio but do can drive do can drive and in, he, he ended up finishing on the podium in no uh, was it in the podium or in the top five one of them no it was podium in 10 of the 15 races that's that's a good yeah you know fair fucking play <laughs> where did where did pascal verline finish oh do we have to what in the race I'm, or in the championship in the championship because that was your that was your pick at the beginning of the season he finished fourth mm. after uh, with the lead that they had mid-season i i don't know how they've spaffed it up that badly it, it's so upsetting for me but whatever i'll get over it um um we'll we'll rush through the second race because it was it was a bit tame in the end there were a lot of red flags because of rain and it almost looked as though the track that somewhat indoors was going to be rained out which would have been hilarious levels of irony but whatever yeah um nick cassidy ultimately got pole position and led every single lap uh to end up winning by four seconds that's the old, that's the second time this has happened this season. The car has won every, or led every lap, right? Uh, yeah, one, but one I think Mitch Evans might have done it uh, yeah. a couple of races ago. Perhaps. Yeah. What a performance! And and it's worth saying the fact that it had rained meant that you had half the lap in the dry, being indoors, and then the rest of the lap was was ultra ultra low grip. Yeah, like and and I think it's more impressive that these guys race uh, that are able to drive and push the formula E cars in the wet than it is the formula one drivers doing it. Cause you've got to think about the instantaneous nature of when you press the accelerator in an electric car to be able to handle all of that torque on request. Without any downforce. Yeah. With no downforce basically. Yeah, yeah. Like tire and, and, and another thing to remember as well that they don't have purpose built wet tires in formula E. They run the same tires in the dry that they do in the wet. It's an all weather tire. 
So again, nowhere near as much grip as an all-purpose built wet tire. What like the, the I think the fact that race the, the final race of the season in the wet was as calm as it was that there there was no retirements. Jean Eric Verne finished one lap down after some contact, I believe. You know, f- fair play. The the level yep. of car control that was on display was incredible. You saw a lot of counter steering. <laughs> oh, there, there, there was a moment like, where. Just- I think it was Vern, uh, like coming out of the first sector, like came out of one of the corners that were going downhill, and he was full, like back Sideways, out. Yeah. It was beautiful, really, yeah. really cool to see. But yeah, it was it, ironically that was probably the most boring race of the season. But nevertheless, the driving that was on display made up for it. It was yeah. really, really cool to see. So Cassidy ended up winning, as I said, by about four seconds with Jake, uh, with Mitch Evans finishing second, and Jake Dennis, the champion, getting another podium to win the season <laughs> so he didn't give up uh, even though he'd won it already which you'd, you'd expect um that means as a result of uh, after after all of the formula e races uh, jake dennis ended the season with a 30 point lead <laughs> um all of a sudden after it having been so close all year long it ended up being 30 points which is quite impressive um nick cassidy would have to settle for second as i said 30 points back two points ahead of mitch evans who really rallied back in the in the he had he had a really difficult start to the year where he didn't finish above seventh until uh sao paulo where he won and then berlin where he won again and then monaco where he was second jakarta third rome first london first what a season he had for the toward the latter stages that was great um pascal ended up being like uh what's that 70 points back by the end of the season 229 points compared to 149 what what a what a decline after that first few races that's that's just unfortunate for him and for me i'm sad (laughs) oh you were you were saying earlier why why they call it the 2022 2023 season uh the preseason testing is in december yeah that's bollocks i it's it's such a technical it's on the calendar they, they for for a few years prior to COVID, they did have it where it was half and half. The season would start in like September and end in like April or May or something like that. I think now you could probably just call it the year it's in, to be honest. It yeah. just looks weird, but that's a minor gripe. Um, teams Championship, Envision Virgin Racing as a result of Nick Cassidy's win would end up taking the championship ahead of Jaguar. Ironic, if I were Nick Cassidy after they'd screwed me up out of the championship, I would have conveniently had a meeting with a barrier to make my new team win the championship, but he's a better man than I am. Um, (laughs) uh, Andretti, despite having won the Drivers' Championship, uh, Andre Lotterer was shit all year, therefore they finished third. Um, There's rumours... Jake Dennis isn't going anywhere, but there's rumours that Andre will be replaced by a certain Brazilian Formula 2 champion, uh, Felipe Drugovic, for next year. Dennis and Drugovic in that car, that's going to be box office. I, I'm looking forward to that. And you'll be glad to hear, Greg, that there were rumours, <clears throat> and he was present in London. Stingray uh, Rob. No. <laughs> Nick DeVries was um in london to talk about potentially going back to formula e but it's looking it's looking more and more likely that he won't find a seat good (laughs) Good. what's a what's an undoing this man's career has gone undergone you know 
Formula I wouldn't e hire him to drive a fucking pace car. <laughs> he's a good driver. He is a good driver. It's yeah, just but he's he a shit good. human. <laughs> I just I don't I don't like the way he talks about himself, about other people. I don't like the way he drives particularly. I don't. There's there's. I don't even like the way the kid looks. There's not a whole lot of redeeming qualities that Nick DeVries has to me. And this is just, this is purely personal. <laughs> purely personal. Um, or just, I, I don't know. I don't know. And, and, and to, to say like, oh, I'm not a rookie. I did a, a start. And then to go to court to try to prove that you were a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> the court determined, sir, you are a rookie, or was <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Now you're unemployed. <laughs> but before, <laughs> fucking hell! I, before, I, don't, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> before Greg manages to say anything even even harsher toward Nick DeVries, not that I disagree. Um, Look, he may he may be a nice person in like in like in person. I've I don't heard know. stories I, that he is lovely. Like I with fans, he's great. I know him but... personally. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. But him the outward personally. perception he the gives. The character off. that he plays on TV, I'm gonna hate him. He's yeah. a villain, he's a bad guy, and that's what he, it's just how it's gonna be, man. You know I would still rather him be on the Formula E grid than Dan Tickton, though. I it's would close. agree with that. I would agree with that. I just, I, you know what? Put DeVries in another Formula E seat and put Drugovich in a fucking Formula One car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be the best. That would thing, be ideal, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't but put Drugovich in a Formula E. Put him in a Formula One car. Here's a conspiracy theory. So, what team is coming to Formula One? Hopefully, in the next few years, Andretti. Which team is Drugovich racing for in Formula E? Likely next year, Andretti. Maybe there's the link. He's got Maybe. a lot of Formula One mileage in testing for Aston Martin. Could Maybe. be quite handy. I, I, yeah, I, I, I would love to see him. In He'd do a, a better job a, than Colton Herter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially I would, I would just, I would, eligible. I would love to see him in a decent Formula One seat. And and again, Nick DeVries. I don't know him personally. <laughs> But like I said, you don't just, have to justify your hatred. You're perfectly entitled to dislike him because I'm, of his face. One hundred percent. I know I am, and I'll defend it. I'll say it to his ugly, smush, stupid face. Oh. <laughs> right. Let, let's go to a break before we get a cease and desist. Um, <laughs> we, we've we've overrun the ne the next half. Won't be as long, folks. We, we're going to talk about NASCAR. We're going to talk about SRX and the shit show that happened there over the weekend. Or over the week, I should say. Fucking midweek racing. Can't get used to it. And a couple little bit. With half the show gone, there's still half the show still to go. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast. This is the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. Go into the weekend with the Into the Apex Podcast, reliably producing sim racing and iRacing banter for over three years. 
Tyler, Bradley, Patrick, and Rob come together each week to hang out, and everyone's invited. Coming out of the Motorsport Weekend, there's the end of the Paddock Podcast, where Jordan, Greg, and John will dig deep into all the real motorsport happenings from pretty much every series out there. There are no cold takes on ITP. It's all on the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. We're here for you every week, and we're bringing the provocative motorsport talk. Into the Apex is excited to introduce a monthly subscription. For 99 cents a month, get regular, exclusive audio and video content on the Into the Apex podcast feed presented by Spotify. Into the Apex After Dark, OnlyFans Into the Apex, Infowars Into the Apex. We're not too sure what it's called just yet, but we do know that it's edgy, it's provocative, it's everything we do here at the Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. To subscribe, go to IntoTheApex.com and hit the subscription button down below. This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. And welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. Before we get underway with a uh, look at NASCAR and SRX, amongst other things, uh, make sure you're following us on all of our various social media channels. Uh, we are at Into the Paddock, that's with the number two, on Twitter and Instagram and threads. I'm not calling it X, we're not getting into that again. Um, there, you can stay up to date when our latest episodes go live, and you can also see various other interactions with motorsport that we have. Uh, I I do polls on there. We we need we need to be more active on there. Actually, uh, I, I try, but then we I do. just accidentally log into the wrong account. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> uh, be sure to uh, check out the other podcasts on the Into the Apex podcast network and subscribe to the Into the Apex YouTube channel. Uh, you can get links for all of that at intotheapex.com. Uh, if you're a fan of everything on the Into the Apex podcast network, you can also subscribe for ninety nine cents a month for premium access to the Into the Apex podcast network on Spotify and Anchor. So yeah, go to intotheapex.com for all of that. Um, NASCAR. Uh, it was a half and half weekend. Uh, the Well, a bit over half. I'm bad at math. Um, the Cup Series and Truck Series were at Richmond, whilst the Xfinity Series was at Road America, and all the Xfinity race did was serve as a reminder that we are missing out on a Cup race there. I am sad. Love Road America. We'll talk about Xfinity in a moment. Actually, we're going to end up talking about Xfinity probably more than the Cup race because it was a banger. But Cup race, um, Chris Buescher ended up winning what was a fairly dominant uh, day for RFK Racing. Um, the first half of the race was pretty much dominated, I would say, by Toyotas, specifically the 2311 cars. There was a long period of time where it was either Tyler Reddick or Bubba Wallace leading. Um but then both of them hit strife. Tyler Reddick got a pit commitment line violation or something like that, which put him further back. Bubba had some bad pit stops. Quell fucking surprise, um, which put him further back as well. Um, there were a few people that got penalties for the pit entry, right? Hitting that orange box or like at Richmond. <laughs> speeding and yeah, all kinds of stuff. It was rough. Yeah, I, 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 that's one of the pit entries that I hate doing the most. Actually, it, it's it's really hard to get into that one. Um, so not surprising. Not that I'm comparing myself to cup drivers because I'm not. You know, I, I'm almost. Like, it's it's maybe maybe Timmy Hill, 
actually he's good at eye racing. Never mind. Um, yeah, <laughs> after <laughs> I don't know where that came from. After twenty three eleven strife, um, it, yeah, it was RFK that kind of picked up from there. They it, it was it was an interesting one because other than the stage cautions. And that other than the final caution right at the end of the race, when it was, who was it that spun right, right at the end? Um, oh, I don't remember. No, neither do I. It'll come to me. Mm, uh, yeah. there, there, there was a um, yellow flag right toward the end, which set up a sprint to the finish. Nevertheless, um, it was, it was uh, much of the race was all about green flag long runs. And as a result of that, there was a bit of a debate online as to whether this was a good race or not, but it was a good race. It, I, I don't think there, there weren't, wasn't as much wheel-to-wheel action that you would normally see, but it was about strategy and long runs and who had the best car and could deal with tire wear in really, really hot conditions. It, it was, it was, it was a nice change. It, it was, it felt more like an honest race than the usual NASCAR bullshit. Um, and therefore, you had this situation where RFK and and Stuart Haas, like it was a bit a big day for Ford. You had a lot of them moving forward as the race went on. Ryan Priest was one who notably started, I think, outside of the top 10, maybe even lower. And he just was cooking toward the end. He, he was he was flying up there. Um, ultimately, Brad Kozlowski, who was leading the way um, ahead of Chris Buescher, he got a penalty uh, coming into the pits. Um, oh, no, it wasn't coming into the pits. He had, he had That was the one where he... Did he lock up into the pits or something like that? He, he was basically... Almost out of his pit box, he was skewed really badly. Yeah, he locked up yeah. and just barely got his car in the box. He still he was allowed to have his right rear tire out. Yeah, I um, didn't know that. Yeah. I, I I didn't know that rule where you could have the right rear out but no other tires. So I was like, he's yeah. gonna get a day, but no, he isn't. So yeah, yeah. I guess. It, 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 I mean, it just made for a slower stop. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you that ultimately, yeah, yeah. That ultimately was all the difference to drop in behind Busher and quite a few other people. But from there, Busher picked up the slack and. Even, even like he, he was, he looked like he was cruising toward the end there. It looked like he wasn't really get get challenged. Then the caution came out because it's NASCAR, of course. But he was able to have a decent enough restart. Uh, Denny Hamlin, who was his closest competitor, then locked up into turn one, trying to get around the outside of him. That that kind of put him in a free wide battle with Logano, and I can't remember who the other guy was. Was it Truex? Might have been Truex. Um, no, it was Kyle Busch. Never mind, because I was remembering it was three drivers I really don't like. Um, oh. And ultimately, that left Busher relatively free to end up taking the win. Twelfth uh, driver to win a race, leaving four playoff positions available for new winners or to people to get in on points. Um, but cool for Busher. That 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 was cool. He's he's been one of those drivers who's been around for so long, but in equipment that hasn't he hasn't been able to showcase himself in. And now he's doing it, and he's good. I like the guy. Yeah, it's really good to see him start to show the promise that he had in the Xfinity. Like everyone's like, "Oh, Chase is so good." Busher beat Chase in the Xfinity series, you know, so he didn't become a, a two-time back-to-back champion. Like he has legitimate talent. Just that Roush and RFK have been down at the bottom for so long, mm. he hasn't gotten to show it. So it's good to see him in the team rebound, and, and it's good to see. You know that I, I don't know how much of this is Brad. I'm always skeptical when new owners come in, and then, you know, especially like when it's a part ownership deal. You know, it's it's still a partnership team there with with Roush and, and Kozlowski, and a lot of people are attributing this sudden rapid 
return, if you will, uh, to to Brad Keselowski's involvement in the ownership. I don't know whether whether I subscribe to that or, or how much Brad is really made an impact. I know driver wise, obviously he's a really good driver, so there's that level. But RFK have kind of been coming up and down quite a lot over the last few years. You know, there were odd races where Newman would just stomp in the six or something like that for for like a random Phoenix race or something or something. And you know, Busher won at um, where, where did he win last year? Bristol. Bristol. Yeah. So you know they 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 kind of they're they're fluctuating a bit like Richard Childress right now where they will have some weekends where they'll come up and be really quick and some where they'll be anonymous again. But either way, it's the competitiveness of Cup right now where there are you know it's it's the one thing that I really like about it is you don't know who's going to win every weekend. You know who the stronger people are, but you know who would have predicted Chris Busher winning this race? Yeah. It's it was a surprise good. win for sure, you mm. know, especially through, I think you had three different stage winners, right? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Tyler Reddick won the first stage, I believe. Uh, second stage was, oh, now I'm testing. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember who. Perhaps. I, I have it written right. down on a spreadsheet. You talk, I'll find. <laughs> I, think, I think you're right. I think you're right. But it was a, it was a race where you had three different stage winners. And, uh, some uh i had i had a couple friends that were there and they were saying that that it was a really surprise finish you did not know who was going to win the race throughout the day oh, uh, it was brad lot on of, stage two ah there you go yeah another face that's just <laughs> punchable punchable yeah 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 yeah, yeah. And, and i think and i've said it before but Brad Kaslowski has that face that your your dad puts on when he asks you a question that he already knows the answer to, just yeah. to see if you're gonna lie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like that's his just like normal. That's face his resting breasting yeah. Brad face. Yeah. Yeah. Did you break that window? <laughs> you know, like that's that's yeah. That's what Brad Kaslowski just yeah. looks like. It's not to say he's a bad guy, but um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good run, a pretty good race. Um, I think the the storyline over the next four races before the um, playoffs begin continues to be: Is Chase Elliott going to point his way in or win his way in? And this weekend, you know, he started off as the most competitive he's been really since he broke his leg, and yet he faded to around a fourteenth place. It was outside the top ten. H- Hendrick had a terrible day, like. All of their cars ended up. I, I think all but Chase ended up actually lapped, um, and then Kyle Larson got a little bit of payback given to him from Denny when he was passing him on fresh tires at one point. It, it, it was not a good day for Hendrick um, at a race where um, Martin, uh, where where Kyle Larson won back in April, and then they were just completely nowhere here. It, it's looking sketchy. I, I don't know whether. Uh, I mean, you know. Daytona is the cutoff race. There's every chance that Chase could win that race. You never know. It's a shit show. But now that you've got so many uh, road course ringers other than Chase doing, well, Indianapolis, you know, you've got everyone in the racing world coming to do that race. And then Watkins Glen immediately after that, which is going to be a bit more traditional. There's not going to be as many guest drivers. You know, it's not the foregone conclusion that it was a couple of years ago that Chase is going to win the road course races now. So he's going to have to rely on a chaotic race at Daytona where he comes out on top and stays clean or Michigan next week. And I don't recall yeah. him being particularly strong at Michigan in the past. I could be wrong. I could be forgetting that, but 
it's not yeah, looking with, good. <laughs> with four races left until the playoffs, mm. it's like you got to do something. For, for a guy that I'm fairly 99.9% sure has made the playoffs every year he's been in cup, to go from winning the championship a few years ago to not making it this year. And I know people would be like, oh, well, it was the breaking of the leg. If he hadn't purposely wrecked Denny at Charlotte, he would be, he would be pointing his way in yeah, now. It was, the, it was 100% the suspension. Yeah. Like, yeah, you could argue, yeah, would could he have won one of the races when he didn't when he'd broken his leg? Yeah, he could have done, but he could have also not gone skiing. Like <laughs> you yeah. know. Like I I, mean, I I know the Chase fans will spin this into a way where it's unfair on him and it's the system against him or something, but at the end of the day, if, if you don't wreck people and you don't get suspended, it, like you have a better chance of being in a championship contention. If the system was against him, he wouldn't have had a waiver to potentially still make it to pull yeah. his way in. The fact that he's got a waiver after that suspension at Charlotte is bullshit enough. So, like, yeah, as you say, it's favoring him more than anything else. So, we'll see what happens over the next four. Um, at Richmond, as well, as I mentioned, was the truck race. Uh, that was on Saturday night, and Carson Hosovar, uh, he actually had a flat tire before the green flag and came back to win after a tire gamble toward the end of the race. Um, it was the regular season finale for the truck series. Um, I'm trying to remember th- ah the playoff field. So the playoff field for the truck series as a result of the Richmond race is Corey Heim, uh, Zane Smith, Hosovar, Christian Eckes, Grant Enfinger, Ty Majeski, Ben Rhodes, Nick Sanchez, Matt Benedetto, and Matt Crafton. So we'll see what happens in their playoffs. I keep forgetting how much earlier their playoff starts than everyone else's, but we'll see what happens there. I think the big omission from that is uh, a certain SRX driver, Haley Deegan. Um, Oh boy. You know, (laughs) I I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give her a shit, but it feels like, as time goes on, the case for Haley Deegan gets less and less. You know, she's in a good, good truck. She's got a good team, and she's not performing. So she'll get an Xfinity ride next year. Um, spe- <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Xfinity, um, if you got the, if you can pay, you get to play. That's just the that's the nature of the sport. Yeah, yeah. If Pure, she's period. not in Xfinity yeah. next year, I'll be shocked. <laughs> yeah, if if you, if you can pay, you can play, and that's that's really all it comes down to. The only reason she's not in a cup car is because she doesn't want to spend the fucking like yeah. five million or so that it, it's costing. And in fairness car. to her, when she did drive that Xfinity race, she looked good. And there is a case there that the Xfinity car does suit some drivers a lot more than the truck does. So who knows? Yeah. Maybe she pays it her way be- into Xfinity and gets a, sp- a seat ahead of somebody who should be really there and does quite good. Yeah. So <laughs> we'll see. But you know, I mean, well. <laughs> it, she looks. She's not a. She's she's not a bad driver. She's not terrible. No, she she she's, she's a, a she's she can drive. They did they did she win or get second at Daytona for? Uh, uh, I think the Michelin pilot series from pilot. Yeah, 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 yeah. She beat us. Yeah, I mean, and we started. We started second. Yeah, <laughs> I think we beat us at that race, but mm. that's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah. Um, she can drive. Yeah, I, she, she. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, she I don't want to give her too much shit, but it's the classic thing of driver gets massively overrated by all of the media, gets opportunities that they don't necessarily deserve over other drivers who deserve them more. On but a, she on can a pure- still drive. 
on a pure performance level, right? I mean, I I still think she's an entertaining person, both on and off the track, right? She's like it the just, truck series Lance Stroll, except it isn't the father that's the. Well, actually, I'll wait. It is the father. Never mind. It yeah, works. Brian, <laughs> fucking Brian Deegan. Yeah. How did I forget about Brian Deegan? He's yeah, the only person they ever mentioned when they're talking about her. She's the yeah. she's the princess of metal militia, man. Yeah. Anyway, um, well, yeah, we'll talk about that next year when she's inevitably in Xfinity. Um, speaking of Xfinity, Road America. Um, what a wild race. What a wild race. <laughs> um, what a segue. <laughs> before, we about, before we talk about the final couple of laps, which were just insane, we, me and Greg mentioned, and I know, JD, you'll feel the same. We want to give a shout out to Chandler Smith. Um, yeah. Break failure into turn one. Um, and then the presence of mind to, you know, we, we see whenever we see NASCAR on a road course, we always see pedal footage and they're always like, Oh, he's just checking the brakes there just before he goes on to, goes on to them just to know whether he still got them. And I think that was a classic example of why they do that because he realized fairly early into the braking zone for turn one, that he wasn't going to have a braking zone for turn one because his yep. brakes had gone and the presence of mind for how old did you say he was? 21. He's 21 years old. 21 just. Uh, like Yeah, just 21. Like June, like the end of June, he turned 21. Um, but yeah, to, to go ahead and move off a track and create his own braking zone via fucking hitting the grass with his splitter and skirting Side the bowling. wall. Yeah, kept him out of the wall, which is more than Alex Labe could say, who had a similar issue going into turn one later in the race with about seven laps to go. And he just cut to the inside for some reason. That was a weird move and did absolutely go head on into that wall in turn one and looked, uh, I'm going to say fairly fucking injured mm. after he, he, he definitely got out of the car on his own accord, but immediately laid down on the ground. He did not look like he was feeling too good. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, Chandler Smith being able to pull that that risky move off to the side. I mean, the balls on this kid to to purposefully wreck a car and not just let it happen and mm. become a passenger. Uh, he took complete control of the situation and the the footage of the brakes exploding before he even pulls off the track. The camera shot from behind the car. Uh, you, you just see brake rotors going mm. everywhere. It's crazy. I don't know what what's it going to take for NASCAR to get to carbon brakes. Yeah, they, they or need to are carry carbon brakes even going to be viable in NASCAR given the operating temperatures that you have to, uh, you know, you have to get them really hot for them to work. You know, and so doing it. You know, we, we've had brake failures in what the Cup Series at some of the shorter tracks you know I, I don't know maybe maybe switch up a brake package if you know you're going to be using the brakes a lot yeah at tracks where you use them a lot road courses or short tracks you go to carbon uh, yeah. other ones you stick with what you got we we have different packages for different tracks already so why not yeah. just do it for brakes too right yeah that, that's i mean it, it's it's been it's been a theme this year brake mm. rotors exploding uh in in braking zones so yeah uh, something, something needs to happen because mm. it happened twice in this race. Yeah. In the same turn. And, you know, I'll, I'll have to look and see what happened to Alex and see if he's okay. 
Uh, he was checked uh, and released from the care center. So okay, he's well, then, that okay, but we'll see. If, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that doesn't that don't that doesn't always yeah no, mean anything. No. I know a driver who crashed a car, was checked out at the med center, and then immediately hopped on a plane to go see his own doctor, where they found out he broke his hand. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. it it happens. Yeah, and so, uh, but again, Chandler Smith. All the praise in the world. Mm. Uh, Alex, we hope you're okay. And but let's get on to the race because yes. the whole the whole thing was just it was it was probably one of the most exciting uh like stock car road races I've seen mm. in a long time. Yeah, I, I particularly want to focus on that last few laps, particularly like the penultimate one. Cause yeah, lap the yeah, with two to go and uh we have, how many how many lead changes did we have with two to go it's like five on one lap like it, yeah. it seemed like there were five different people and every time they got into the lead they then shanked it off the track and and, and then gave the lead to the next person and then you know you, you had parker kligerman who started the lap like fourth end up leading and then he chucked it off as well it, it was it was absolutely wild and for me it kind of summed up what we're missing a bit from road course racing in cup you know what? What's made NASCAR road racing so popular over the years, and what led to them adding so many road courses, is because they don't belong there, and that's what makes it so exciting. Those cars are not meant to be doing what they're doing, so they're difficult, and they fade over time, over the course of the race, and then you just end up with the final two laps where everyone's just trying to survive, and it's just amazing. You don't get that in Cup now because the cars are designed to be better at road racing. That's not the point. That's not what they're meant to do. And this Xfinity race showed that these these cars are so so unwieldy to drive on a road course, and it just produced such a, a brilliant race from start to finish, particularly yeah. to finish. Like, and, and awesome. With, you know, you had with two laps to go, even with one lap to go, you had no idea who was going to pull out the win, and mm. then Sam Meyer comes in, hometown hero, and and gets the win there. Uh, you know, it was just what a fucking fantastic race yeah. from the from start to finish. I I enjoyed the hell out of it. It was it was just it was super exciting to watch all the different strategies, all the all the different mess ups. And I still wouldn't say that the driving standards were low. No, no, not really. You know, like like it it seemed like honest little mistakes here and there, and or just getting shoved off the track or whatever. There was a moment down into turn five where somebody completely just blows through the braking zone and takes out like three cars with them. I don't remember who it was. Uh, they, they pulled out a, a safety car, but yeah, it, just good driving all around. It was an exciting day for sure. Yeah. It seemed like nobody wanted to win that race. Like <laughs> super exciting. Yeah, like Sage Karam got the lead. He sent it off. Parker Parker had a chance. He sent it off. Just great, great, just great display of people. Yeah, I, I was kind of rooting for Sage Karam at the end there. Be, being a an IndyCar main fan, it was cool seeing him run at the front. But yeah, just awesome, awesome race. Definitely the NASCAR race of the weekend, I, I would say. And we need to go back to Road America. Would you? Would you call it the race of the weekend? Because granted, while London was an exciting race, it had its issues. And you, you know, know, yeah, I would, I would, Formula I would One say, being Formula One, uh, yeah, 
the the I'm not going to count the SRX race because it's not like a mainstay yeah, series. Yeah. It's just kind of an I, entertainment. I would, I would say it was, yeah, because like I would, yeah, the the Formula E first race was more just because of chaos than genuinely good racing. It was more the drama of it being the end of the season. So yeah, I would say in terms of God, I can't believe I'm saying this. In terms of an honest good race. I'd give it to the Xfinity series. Like, not uh, I'm uh, the Xfinity race has been good all year. I mean, just giving it to a NASCAR yeah. race feels wrong. But um, <laughs> yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd say it was yeah. the race of the weekend. I I would say that it's probably because it's Road America. Yeah, yeah. Road America, yeah. like the the scenery, the the locale had a mm. lot to do with it, and I cannot believe that Cup isn't at Road America. But we anymore. got Chicago instead. Yay. <laughs> no, I, I think Road America definitely puts on a fantastic show no matter what series goes there. It also yeah. like you're saying it's was the most honest race of the weekend. You saw the drivers pushing the cars to their max. You saw the passion, you know, and excitement that they had themselves trying to get that win. Everyone trying really hard. Like that's honest hard racing and that's what fans love to see. Yep. Yeah. I'm excited to be there in 2 days. Yeah, I, I hate you. Yeah, by the way. I'm leaving. Screw you. It's it's Monday today. I'm leaving Wednesday, uh, the day after tomorrow, and I'll Get be some there until cheese curds Sunday. And I bet you next week's uh, show we're going to be talking about another race at Road America that will be race of the weekend. Uh, obviously, IMSA and MPC there next week. We'll talk about that on next so week's excited. show. I can't wait. Still yeah. say that race needs to be six hours, but whatever. It should Take be. Week. It yeah. absolutely should be. I can't believe that. Uh, that Indianapolis is the Michelin pilot endurance race mm. and not road America. Yeah. It's, I, I'm only saying that because I hate fucking Indianapolis as a road course. That's that's you're entitled to that wrong opinion. Um, Gosh, oh, <laughs> it's just not good. That's because <laughs> you're bad at it. <laughs> uh, I think you watched my stream that week. I got taken out literally three races in a row in the top split. The last turn on the green flag, the same way every time. I was in your race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You were there. Yeah. Every time. I, I hate that place. <laughs> um, so, anyway. Very briefly, before we move on from Xfinity, there was also the news just before that uh, from 2025, all 33 races of Xfinity series will be broadcast on the CW um effectively free coverage for everybody because you can get cw with an antenna basically i've heard in, in, yeah. in the u.s i believe it's also internationally bundled with amazon so damn that, that I, we didn't expect that but that is a really really good move for, for for in terms of nascar tv deals it makes me excited to see if they if they're willing to make a move like that what they might do for the cup series broadcasting rights when they come up so We'll see. Uh, with, with we that. shall see. Um, finally, to end the show, a couple of minutes to talk about SRX. Um, <laughs> Kyle, yeah, what a <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Bush won um, on his yes, SRX debut at Pulaski County Motor uh, Raceway, otherwise known as the Motor Mile. It was a really good race. Uh, Clint Boyer finished second. Uh, he he actually looked like the quickest guy throughout much of it. Um, he was able to run the bottom a lot more than other people, um, and it and it was like the first stage was really good between between Kyle, Brad, and Marco Andretti. They had a really good race, but the main talking point of the whole weekend was Paul Tracy, because in a season where SRX is tearing up a bunch of cars, and they have to try and fix those cars within a week to get them ready for the next week, 
and in a, in a in a weekend where Tony Stewart had a private drivers meeting to tell everyone to stop driving like idiots, Paul Tracy fenced Joseph Newgarden on corner exit coming onto the front stretch and caused a pileup that took himself out, took Joseph out, and took out Ken Schrader. Ken, after the race, uh, after watching the incident, said that he's never racing with Paul Tracy ever again. And the good news is and SRX wa- made that happen. Yeah, I was going to say, and the good news is, is that he won't have to leave SRX to make that happen because SRX a couple of days later announced that they have immediately and indefinitely suspended Paul Tracy yeah. from SRX. And nothing of and- value was lost. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think Kenny Wallace, I, we were watching a video of him earlier. I think he was talking about something that Dale Earnhardt said. And Dale Earnhardt said, if you piss off Ken Schrader, you're definitely doing something wrong because that is an easy going dude and that's correct because tracy has done so many things wrong yeah (laughs) like that's the thing like there was some people he's just an aggressive guy yeah and it's not what this series is for no exactly and there were some people saying you know there was a bit of a debate afterwards because srx primarily is for fun and there were some people saying well is this srx over policing something that should be fun Whereas I think it's on the other hand, you've got to think of it as a lot of these guys that race this are either retired or racing other series. Yep. And the whole point of SRX is not only fun, but to see all of these different drivers racing each other where they wouldn't usually. So it's really dependent on the names they can attract. You're not going to get people come to do one-off or full-time seasons in SRX if there is a chance that they're going to get injured in a fun race. And the the fact of the matter is, is that Paul Tracy... Obviously, any of these guys could get injured. You know, Tony uh, uh, Tony Kanaan could have got injured in that brake failure he had at Stafford. You know, racing, you could get injured. But it's a, a, a matter of fact that since Paul Tracy has been in an SRX since its inception, he has caused the vast majority of the big wrecks. And if there's a and- chance that you're going to get injured racing Paul Tracy, are you going to want to do SRX? No, probably not. And, and not... And not only that, but for context, for those that don't know, these drivers don't own the cars. Mm. The series owns the cars. These drivers don't have teams that maintains the cars. The series maintains the cars. We have a very and small team of mechanics. With a, yeah, a small crew. And that's why Tony Stewart had to have this meeting with these people saying, hey, we need to quit wrecking this shit because these guys have seven days now to fix all of these cars. Mm. And get them race ready for the next round. And you just, you just fucked everybody at the shop. Yeah. You know, and it, it, and I mean, it's true. It's, it's, it's real true. I mean, how many times do we see a formula one driver or a couple of drivers? I know it happened to, uh, to Max and Daniel fucking Christian Horner made them go to the factory and had an all hands meeting where those two apologized for crashing the fucking cars. Was it the Baku crash? Yeah, it was ba- uh, Baku. Yeah. 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 That's one of the you only know? things I've ever agreed with Christian Horner over. Yeah. And so I, you know, I, I think, uh, somebody should get Tracy over there and start turning wrenches. Yeah. I don't think he's <laughs> you know? that kind of guy though. Oh yeah. It'll, ju- it'll just ogle everyone's feet. Ugh, yeah. What a creepy man. Uh, yeah, he, I, I don't think he's that kind of guy, honestly. He he doesn't. I mean, yeah, it's not going to happen. But he, he spent the entirety of that post race talking about why it was New Garden's fault or why it was just a product of hard racing. There's hard racing and then there's just driving through people. Oh, he shoved him up in a little He just wall. doesn't care. Like, yeah. 
So yeah, yeah. I, they yeah. haven't specified as to whether it's permanent. They've said it's indefinite. I hope it's permanent, honestly. I know, I know I've got a, a bit of a bias against Paul Tracy, but I don't think anyone can argue that he's he's not meant to be doing yes. this. Yeah, he's too aggressive of a driver for a series that's supposed to be for these guys to get together and I think Haley Deegan said it, have a few beers afterwards mm. and you know, you, you get to swap stories with different drivers. We get to see all these drivers on on track at the same time that you never. I mean, how often are you going to get to see Tony Kanon racing Tony Stewart? Yeah, exactly. On an oval track. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's it it never happens. So, with all this being said, who do you want to see replace? Well, they've already announced Tracy. it. Oh, they've have already they already announced I it? Missed, and I missed this that. is somebody who, who sadly I didn't know, but JD will be able to p- provide a little bit more context. Johnny Benson Jr. Um, former NASCAR Xfinity and Truck Series champion. Um, I believe you said he was more, somewhat more known for his broadcasting after the fact. But basically, TLDR, he's better than Tracy. He's, okay. he's a good egg in the NASCAR and, and stock car community, especially in the Northeast. Um, yeah, he, he was really competitive in trucks. Like him and Mike Skinner and Jeff O'Dine acted as like, like the, the guardians for people to get up to the Xfinity series. Cause they raced everybody really cleanly showed people how to race. And, you know, in the cup series in the early two thousands, like he was David Slay and Goliath with his underfunded team. Like it was great to watch him. So it's, it's a good addition yeah. to good, good to good. SRX and, and it's uh, his own track. East is going to love it. Yeah. It's his home track Berlin raceway. So it works out quite well. It probably means that he won't be in the car for the final two races, which would be on dirt. I would honestly, uh, one thing that the only thing that I think has been missing this year from SRX is the local driver thing that they always used to do. They always used to have a local track ringer who would come in, not necessarily be well known, but would be a really good driver at that particular track. And I would like to see maybe someone from Eldora who's really good or someone at Lucas Oil, um, not Raceway, but Speedway or whatever it is, the the dirt track and wherever it is bring a local person in if if you can't get a big name get that. a local person back in i want to see someone like doug kobe coming in and like smacking down on people like he did at stafford in that first race back in 2021 i want to see that that aspect of srx come up where it's not just big names fighting each other it's it's all these big names and then yeah. potentially and, a spoiler from, some, from someone like some that. local redneck who's just a master at the track yeah you know? <laughs> it's great I, i'd love that aspect so i'd, I'd like to see them do that so we'll see what happens so yeah srx will be back at berlin raceway next thursday or this thursday i should say and it'll be a much better product for tracy not being there um that's about it we'll cut it off here um there was some other news with uh linus lundqvist who will be i've said so many times about linus lundqvist and how he should be on the indycar grid he's just been announced today that he will be substituting for simon paginot at the music city grand prix in nashville this weekend we'll talk more about that after this weekend after we see how he does i'm just really excited that he's on the grid at last and being given the opportunity it's nice that he's on the grid, but I'm wishing for a speedier mm. recovery from Simon because this is this is not it's not what you want to see. You know, you never want to see somebody get medically retired oh, after a fucking huge crash like he had at yeah. Mid Ohio. Yeah, it, yeah, it's like it's a similar, so similar to what we saw with Kurt Busch yeah. Poc- after Pocono last year. You know, it, it, it was, it's in bad circumstances for sure. You you watched that crash happen in slow motion, and you were like, "All right, this." This could be a career hmm. ender. You know, it did not look gentle no. in 
the least bit. I mean, he was airborne before he hit the gravel trap. You know, it was just fuck. Mm. It sucks. I, I hate seeing drivers get injured. Although we we know it's a risk. Motorsport is oh, inherently dangerous. So, but anyway. Uh, what do we got going on for next week? Uh, next week, Nashville. Uh, next week, we have IMSA at Road America. And obviously, you'll be there uh, for NPC. So we'll get to hear about your experience from there. NASCAR at Michigan. And that's about it. It's going to be a little bit of a calmer one next weekend. So uh, join us next time for all of that. Uh, thank Where you we both. won't be talking about formula no and i'm gonna hopefully hopefully nothing happens in this off season so that we can just not talk about it for a few weeks yeah so i'm yeah. fucking sick of it join us for we, that <laughs> we could just cut it we could just never talk about formula one again we could but you know the moment yeah. we say we don't alonzo will win and and yeah. that's where it gets you that's that's yep. where it hooks you in um but yeah join us next week for non-formula one discussion um thank you greg for joining us once again thank you jd for coming back as well um our social medias, uh, as we said at the start, at Into the Paddock with the number two on Twitter. Uh, fucking, I almost said X, fuck it. Threads and Instagram. Follow us all there. Into the Apex.com as well. You can also follow us individually. I don't know why you'd want to do so, but at jgroves1996. I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Threads. Um, Greg, you are? Speed Rat Racing on Twitter and Instagram and Twitch lovely and jd where can we find you bud uh jd 55 some racing on youtube lovely yep. oh you just did a shoey on youtube i did yeah <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> we need my to... acc championship and uh everyone has to do a shoey good job dude i watched it uh fantastic and uh what, what was the John name needs of the championship because you're um that's coming up soon and people should watch that uh, sim racing alliance on acc you know the uh the peasant sim uh <laughs> next division uh next championship starts actually tomorrow i uh, got promoted up to the top division so it should be a really competitive and fun time hell yeah dude so yeah go go and watch that as well. well we'll he'll post links to that i'm sure if not i will if not into the paddock will so follow us on all those social medias and then go and hit up the chat in his races because he loves it when we do that um <laughs> Like I said, join us next Tell week. John, Tell John to get off his uh, Spa 24 win hangover, get his butt back here. He needs to do a shoey as well, actually, considering he won he that does. race. We should have him do it on the show. Oh, we should. Absolutely. Yes. At the yeah. start, yeah. so we when, don't have to deal he, with consequences for two hours. When he, uh, when he comes back, uh, yeah, we need to have him do a shoey on the show. Excellent. We'll get on that. Hopefully he'll be back next week and we'll get him to do it then. But join us for that cliffhanger <laughs> on next week's <laughs> show. Enjoy the weekend's racing. And until then, take care, everybody. And see you next time. Thank you for listening to Into the Paddock by the ITA Podcast Network. Join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk.